0: Uh you good? Alright. Here we go. <clears throat> Steve? <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome to the Mission Story Slam podcast, brought to you by PWP Video. I'm Michael Schweisheimer, Executive Producer at PWP Video and the Mission Story Slam. Storytelling is enjoying a resurgence of popularity lately. And we started Mission Story Slam to share the stories of the organizations we serve at PWP Video. Nonprofits, B Corps, triple bottom line companies, and sustainable businesses. People who are on a mission to make the world a better place. We gather at Yards Brewing in Philadelphia and pick 10 storytellers out of a hat. And they compete for a $250 donation to their favorite nonprofit. Their stories are recorded for sharing on social media and with friends and supporters. This podcast is about the story behind those stories. What motivates someone to tell a story in front of an audience? How did they choose a story they were going to tell? And what was the experience like? And we get to learn about the storytellers themselves. Mission Story Slam 2 is in the history books, and planning for Mission Story Slam 3 has already begun. We're planning an environmental theme for our next slam on April 23rd. If your organization would like to get involved, please contact us for more information. The theme for Mission Story Slam 2 was Saving Democracy. It was a partnership with Philadelphia's Committee of Seventy and their Draw the Lines Pennsylvania initiative. Draw PA.org is a statewide civic education and engagement campaign. The aim is to inspire ordinary people to reclaim the political redistricting process and end gerrymandering. One of the most colorful stories that night was told by Draw the Lines school coordinator, Grace Palladino, and she's my guest today. Grace is a veteran educator with the school district of Philadelphia, having taught history and civics at the Philadelphia High School for the Creative and Performing Arts for nearly a decade. If you listen to Grace's story via MissionStorySlam.org, you'll learn a lot about her path from public educator to adult civic education. A warning, there's a good amount of not suitable for work language in her story, and there will be some in this podcast as well. But Grace's interest in civics education inspired her to start a monthly show called Civics on Tap, where she teaches adults fundamentals of civics across the Philadelphia region. She's currently teaching at Temple University and working on a book version of Civics on Tap. Welcome to the podcast, Grace.
1: Thank you very much.
0: I'm actually going to begin by playing the opening to your story. I think it reveals an awful lot, very, very fast. So let's listen to that.
1: Okay, so I have two quick clarifying questions. First off, I can curse, right? Okay. And that's a load-bearing barrel? Because I put a nearly full beer on it. So I'm Grace Palladino. I am uh, somehow now working for Draw the Lines as their school's coordinator. And I guess the story I will tell is how I went from a public school teacher just a few years ago to being at my favorite brewery with Chris Citullo whispering in my ear, kiddo, there's not enough names in the hat. Uh, (laughs) I love that he calls me kiddo. So I think I'll start with the election, like most of us should. Uh, The presidential election, as you might remember. Like any white liberal woman, I lost my fucking shit. And <laughs> I was like, what do you mean America's a racist?
0: So I, I really need to know, um, were you actually not planning on telling a story until Chris Tula whispered in your ear?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I went uh, to support Draw the Lines and also um, to support wh- whoever was gonna be telling a story, but I thought, um, This is similar with the Draw the Lines competition. Since I was a part of Draw the Lines, it would sort of be like rigging the deck if I were to tell a story. Um, Okay. (laughs) So I hadn't anticipated putting my name in the hat. And he did literally like at the halfway point was kind of like, oh, we don't really have 10 names. And then just with, I mean, I would like to say that it was a ton, a ton of arm twisting, but it was minor cajoling at best. Um, and then I put my name in the hat.
0: You do not strike me as someone who is afraid to get in front of a microphone.
1: No, no, no. And I'm, I'm in front of a microphone more often than most people, not like weekly necessarily, but, and also teaching is a, a everyday form of public speaking. So I know I'm very comfortable with public speaking. Um, so when everyone else looks really, really nervous around the table, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll tell a story. And I the only like so I think I maybe like thought in my mind okay what is everyone else talking about I guess I'll try to anchor it to gerrymandering um and somehow I just wanted to talk about the election just because so many of the stories were people's response sort of galvanized um after the election so I was like well I'll tell my own
0: it it seems so wait so you really didn't plan on that but you seem to have such a A set of stories that you were going to tell like there was a seemed to be a through line Mm -hmm. in your mind like between when Chris tapped you on the shoulder and when you got up there did you map anything out in your mind or was that all vamped
1: um I would say that I am this sounds like something you shouldn't have to say is like seeming braggy but I'm a very coherent person (laughs) so so I think in that is a rare trick. logical scheduled sort of (laughs) (laughs) Like beginning, middle, ends. And again, I think that that is a skill set that you develop over years of teaching, especially teaching history, because history, when taught well, should just really be a series of great stories. I love teaching the Declaration of Independence, especially to high schoolers, because it is the most um, like full of shit breakup letter (laughs) the ever. When you read it, it's like they're not we're not broken up yet. This is just all the reasons you suck all the ways I tried to make it work, you know what I mean, like, and then at the end, it's just, it's literally at the end, like, and listen, you know, when you stop being so mad, hopefully we'll be able to be friends again, like, it is just, because, you know, Have
0: you ever based a breakup letter on the declaration?
1: No! No, not yet. But it is. is It's a good letter. <laughs> not yet, it's not a good yet. letter. But yeah, it could work. No, but I love it because like once you explain it like that, kids in high school who are very familiar with the drama of breakups are like, oh, my God, that's exactly what it is. We the couple. Yeah, we the couple. And in truth. And also because it was all ambitious. It wasn't it was intentional. It It hadn't been done. You know, if we hadn't won the war, the Declaration of Independence would just be like this hilarious afterthought for Great Britain like. Right. right. Remember, 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 when they, remember when they tried to break up, but I was like, that didn't that'll never happened. Yeah. So I'm really I love teaching that. I just think it's like there's there's a lot of personal ways to access that. Um, and so I'm very, very used to looking at a clock, being like, OK, I have eight minutes until the bell rings. I'd like to tell this portion of either the end of the story or start one for tomorrow. And so I'm very I'm quite good at just quickly Plotting it out in my mind and then nice. saying it out loud without, hopefully, too many ums or likes, you know, things like that.
0: Everything that you did felt very, like, in the moment.
1: With something like a story slam, you just go up and then you are. You do want to seem like in the moment. Like when I, re- when I rewatched it once, and the only thing I thought was, man, I talked about those shitting statues a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was like, I think that was like. Two minutes, uh, like like it just was. I felt like I didn't imagine going into that, but then they're amazing and people don't know about them. Absolutely. And then afterwards, a colleague actually texted me like she was like, "Was that a real thing?" I was like, "Yes, I'm totally serious. Like I have a shitting Hillary." and Well, you had a shitting I, Hillary. I, no, no, I did. Well, that's a whole nother story. But I went back to the dunes together.
0: Oh, did you really? Yeah. Did you do that since the election?
1: I did. I did. I just I wanted. You're speedy. To, yeah, no, I was, I was, I, I couldn't believe I found her, but I did.
0: <laughs> do, you know what? Let's do, let's do something because I actually love that aside because okay. <laughs> I thought that it taught us a lot about who you are and how you interact with the political world. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to play that portion of your story now.
1: So election day, I lose my shit. A very good friend offers me bread and cocktails, and he lives in Southern California. And so I take him up on this offer, and I flee from Philadelphia. Because I have a flair for the dramatics, the only thing I bring with me for this, like, two-day jaunt in Southern California is this weird little statue I have. And the name escapes me right now, but it was gifted to me from a uh, a friend who lived in Spain. And in Spain, they have these, like, Please shout it out if you know what this is. But it's like these sacred relics of famous individuals shitting. <laughs> Nobody? This is a real thing. So like when you see this thing later, you're gonna be like, oh my God, that's a thing that this chick set talked about. Okay, so it's a real thing. And like nativity sense sets in Spain literally are like, everybody who would appear in the nativity set shitting. Like, it life-size, like, it's it's legit. Like, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's legit. So, she had gifted me one of these and, of course, because I am a white liberal woman, it was of Hillary Clinton shitting. And <laughs> with her little, like, terrible haircut and everything. So, I that's the only thing I took to Southern California, right? Because I love drama. And I arrive in Southern California. I have one too many cocktails and Not enough bread. And I take my Hillary statue and I just walk to the ocean. So dramatic. And I walk to the ocean and I get to the dunes and I bury hills in the dunes. (laughs) And I whisper to the sand, I'll come back to you when Pennsylvania is safe. (laughs) Like, I'll bring you back, you know, when we're blue again.
0: I knew I wanted to play this. And uh, our producer, Dave Winston, did some fast research on the internet and came back with the name of the statues. Yes. So do you know how to pronounce it?
1: I don't. I don't know if, because it's, it's primarily in Barcelona, and so they would speak right. Catalan, so I don't really know that. I can do some very quick research and just call the person in Spain. Um. Okay.
0: Well, we don't have to do that at this moment. <laughs> yes, but so yes, I guess yes, it's no. a Caganer, C-A-G-A-N-E-R, yeah. and so all of our friends who are Catalonian can correct the mm. heck out of me. I'm sure it's more As I think it's should. like a, a Kagan, Kagan, yay, or something yes. along that line, um, and I actually was able to look up the Hillary one, which is as amazing as you describe, mm-hmm. and the haircut is pretty brilliant.
1: Yep, it's her worst haircut for sure. Was selected for that particular statue. <laughs>
0: well, if you're going to if you're going to memorialize someone taking a crap, I think you are not going to get their greatest moments.
1: I mean, they nailed it. I was, I loved it.
0: It's awesome. Have you seen the Trump one?
1: No, but I know that they have a ton. Like, there are a lot. Since I told that story, a few people have sent me, like, images, and then they were like, thanks so much. Like, you gave us great Christmas present ideas for each other.
0: So I'm act- I was just telling Dave before you arrived, I am thinking that uh, Trump taking a dump is mm. heavy and the Christmas gift rotation this year. You just need
1: to, like, paint a little picture of America underneath the shit. Be <laughs> I, totally accurate. I, I do think it's implied. I'm not <laughs> sure that I actually will
0: need to paint anything additional. But
1: the statues in truth are actually affectionate. That's the thing that's kind of funny about them. Like, the nativity set fact that I listed is, like, th- right. they're, like, kind of relics. Like, you you gift them or you, you buy them of people that you adore. They're, like, idols, except I just don't know why they're shitting. Like I'm pleading total ignorance on that. I just think it's fabulous.
0: I was reading a little bit, and I think I think originally it started that there's one character that would be put in the corner that isn't from the original nativity that was sort of a Catalonian presence or something like that that is taking oh. a crap, and then it sort of evolved into everyone in the nativity scene uh taking care of business. <laughs> Why am I even worried about swearing? I was going to say
1: I don't know how much I'm allowed to. Swear. I don't oh, like.
0: This is not broadcast. Okay, okay. Either. I'm not like
1: itching just to, to curse all the time, but I just I'm respectful when needed. Well,
0: I listen. We're already playing these stories. I know that's there is plenty true. of swearing in this podcast just from the recordings alone. We'll great, be fine. Great. <laughs> um, but to finish up about the what I basically I think that the statues evolved from part of the story and the Catalonian tradition to becoming everyone else. But I will say that having seen the Trump one and we'll put a link up on the website mm. for anyone who wants to go and look at Hills and at Trump. <laughs> um, the Trump one does not seem designed with love. Oh, the, the hair is a, is a really freakish gold and there's like a definite painting on the face of the makeup. So I mean, Maybe the rest have love.
1: It makes sense, right? He doesn't have good relationships with foreign, any, no, no foreign nation. I can't imagine, you know. Th- yeah. Those are not made in the USA. And even if they were, you know, he's pissed off enough people. I think his shitting statue is going to be pretty unattractive. Yeah. well, Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> I looked. It's unattractive. You're, you're welcome. So, <laughs> thank you. So, yeah. Thank you for helping on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so listening to that section of the story. I, I know that I have stories that I like to tell kind of over and over. Mm-hmm. Is that one of those stories that you have told multiple times?
1: Well, I tell stories a lot, so I don't know how it ranks among my favorite to tell. It's also, like, very upsetting, actually. Like, oh, the, yeah. You know, so, like, I don't go to tell it, like, oh, I got a great story, because it involves Donald well, Trump like becoming some president. I also think it... And this is what I was also trying to make fun of. I think it also, like, speaks to just, like, what a baby I was, like, at the time. Like, everybody was. But that's why I kept trying to emphasize, like, you know what I mean? Like drama. I'm, Right. Like, I inserted a lot of my own melodrama into the election, which was, like, kind of a nice wake-up call when I came back. And I was like, you got to snap out of it. Like, you know, there's, like, real shit going on here. Um, so I don't, I don't always think it, like, portrays me in the most, like, flattering light, which in a public speaking setting I don't give a shit about I think that that is right. like what people want to hear is like honestly a little bit of honesty about yourself but in a personal setting I probably wouldn't jump to tell it unless it was like to a friend or whatever because if that's the first story you hear from me you're like this like privileged white bitch is like going out to California <laughs> to
0: like bury She's like must be nice. <laughs> so I don't know if you had a chance to listen to uh, the podcast we did with Lawrence Husick, mm. He was the winner that night and told his Fair District story. When I talked to him, he it's funny. You say you don't really care what people think about you in a public speaking situation. You're more worried about telling unflattering stories personally. Mm. And Lawrence, being an attorney and all kinds of things, was like, you know, you, I have to establish my reputation and why this audience should trust me. And mm. I love the fact that you're just like, eh, shit on that, just like the statues.
1: So I started civics on tap like right after the election and I was still teaching um and I was teaching in a public high school and that is like one thing that (laughs) that night when I felt like after I went up there was like a hundred percent more cursing from all of the speakers and even like I think Chris cursed and then like somehow blamed me like I was like I didn't tell you to curse (laughs) um so afterwards it like came up
0: you took the governor off that exactly
1: so afterwards Uh, Like, days later, it came up, and I said, I was like, I just want to make sure everyone knows that, like, I'm really, really capable of not cursing, and, like, I had a decade-long career where I did not curse in front of children, and if children, if my students, like, ever heard me outside of the classroom, they would be stunned, because I actually was, like, one of the teachers who was really strict about foul language in the classroom, like, just, I don't know why, but I was, Um, but...
0: Well, because you were working so hard to not use it.
1: Yeah, perhaps. It was always on my mind, Um, but... I was doing Civics on Tap at the same time, and I was a little bit like, I don't really want to promote this thing I'm doing because I want to be able to go up there and curse and say things and just express myself and be like, "Hmm." not the way that I am with teaching, which is like way professional, obviously. And so now that I'm not teaching, I do enjoy like going up to a microphone and just being myself a little bit more. We'll see if that comes back to bite me, (laughs) depending on what I do next, but.
0: Tell me a little bit about, because I haven't been to civics on tap, mm-hmm. is it similar, like are you in a similar frame of mind uh, as you were at the Story Slam in terms of being relaxed and I know, you mentioned G&Ts.
1: Yes, yes, that's very true. Uh, yes, I am, but also it's quite different in that it's like very content driven because the reason why it started, thats that was, I think I sort of alluded to it, like in that there were, I as a civics teacher was getting a lot of questions from peers and adults and mm-hmm. um, and I, I really appreciated that they were asking me honest questions that they were embarrassed that they didn't know about. And in fact, that's still continuing to this day. Like when I was watching the midterm returns, I was having people like, you know, shamefully ask me about like the difference between, you know, the Senate and the House. And I was like, I'm happy that you're asking me because that's the first step to learning is yeah, admitting you know. like I don't really know. So I, I, I was enthusiastic is my point. I wasn't judgy. But it became clear where I was like people might. Like, adults might need this um, more than they care to admit. And so Civics on Tap came out of that. And so it's more like I am, like, very interested in actually teaching people who are in attendance. Like, even if they're reluctantly in attendance, like, a lot of times people are just in the bar. OK. And then all of a sudden I'm, I get on the mic and I'm like, whether you know it or not, you're at Civics on Tap. That's like how I like to start just because they're it's usually like, what the hell is this? Like I'm trying to just have a drink. Um, it's not
0: quizzo. Yes.
1: No. And so so I like to be funny, but I also like people to leave kind of having learned something about okay. how the government works. So it's a little different in that when I've done story slams and stand up, I'm way more inclined to kind of just be like, here's whatever, eight minutes of thoughts of mine or tell a story of mine um, rather than try to make sure that I relay some concept or mechanism. Uh, So it's different. And I I do, like, play around with what people would rather, um, like, hear about. You know, hear me just sort of go off and tell a story. Okay. Or what, but um, I don't know. So it it, it still, it takes shape differently each month. And I have guest speakers um, who are fantastic. And so, because it is... um, civics on tap is usually about an hour and i create That's actually
0: not a lot of time to impart a lot of information no
1: it's not and it's and the last 10 minutes i'm really stretching to keep people's attention much like teaching
0: (laughs) where you're like you can
1: feel where they're (laughs) like like i'm done i'm I'm done listening um but i create like what i attempt to have be a, a humorous PowerPoint with like a lot of jokes and content and learning and it is very very difficult to do 45 minutes Mm -hmm. you know and like if you do stand-up it's super hard to have a good eight minutes and to be like okay I'm gonna be funny for 45 minutes is like fucking so difficult.
0: Funny and educational. And
1: educational so I like to have to break it up like not have it just be me so there's lots of guest speakers sometimes we play games Um, so it's different than the story slam which is just like Me at a microphone speaking, which I would never really, you know, deign to think that people would be interested in hearing that for forty-five minutes. Well, people have to pee. You know, it's like (laughs) it's a long time. There's no rules. Like when I listen to even like you know people like speakers I like, I'm just kind of like, come on, man. Like, I got I got twenty-eight minutes of interest in just you, (laughs) and then I'm. (laughs) I need
0: a little something something. Right, right, right. Or a beer break. Right, exactly. So uh, speaking of. Uh, the beer and everything. Where mm. where is Civics on Tap? When is it? Like when? How can I check it out?
1: Yeah, so it's at National Mechanics. We just moved the night from third Thursdays, um, which challenges my speech impediment to say, to uh, <laughs> to third Mondays. So our, it is then, easier to say. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is.
0: Let's play that section that does result in you starting Civics on Tap.
1: Okay. After like two or three days, I'm like, I got to go back to my life. And I finally open up Facebook as we all like, you know, terribly do. And I remember that I'm a part of, remember Pantsuit Nation, yeah. right? So I'm like, oh, I like love Pantsuit Nation. Also I'm like, shit, Pantsuit Nation is like losing its fucking shit like, <laughs> like three days after the election. And everyone, you know, cause Facebook and Putin are like, you know, up our asses all the time. And so it's like funneling me to like women in Philadelphia who wanna meet and they don't have any spaces to meet and it costs money to meet. spaces and you got to like buy beer and right and so I was like oh shit I have all this free space because I have the front door keys to uh, empty gelato shop on Pasadena Avenue so I was like I just put up I was like if any resistance organizations want to meet I got a spot but you can't like really broadcast it because like a hundred percent it's like illegal for me to be using the first floor of this gelato shop to like fight Trump. So I, and then so everyone starts messaging me. So I just put like code words on the front door of this gelato shop. And it's like different organizations are meeting like every night of the week when I get back to Philly.
0: Now we know how you've got from California to uh, starting the resistance in an ice cream parlor.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How did that get you to having Civics on Tap?
1: The group that I formed, which was uh, short-lived, and it was called the Pass Young Political Action Group, because <laughs> it was, you know, in South Philly. Yeah, PPAC. Um, yeah, P-Pack. Uh We were meeting, and a lot of times it was just, like, facilitating or, or getting people together. Um, you know, it's interesting, the day after the election, before I skipped town, literally yeah. the morning of, um, I was, I think I was, I must have been on Facebook, like, in a delirious state. And I saw a little post, like, someone had seen uh, Nazi, like, symbols on uh, an abandoned department store that was super close to where I was living. And I knew the department store is, I was like, that's really close to my house. So I was, I think I wrote, okay, well, I'll be over there with cleaning supplies in five minutes if anybody wants to join me. So I went over, and then, again, everything's, like, delirious the night, the day after. And the city had, in fact, already sent somebody over, and they had, like, sprayed some of the stuff. But then I was there with, like, a sponge, you know, and, like, a bucket or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, like, whatever I could grab. And, like, another woman shows up, and then another woman, and then another woman, and another woman. I'm like, oh. And they're they're coming up, like, post-all-night-sobbing face, you know? And they see me with the bucket, and they're like, oh, you're the person with the cleaning supplies. I'm so-and-so. So I was, like, meeting people on the street, and then... A woman from, I think, like the Metro showed up, and she was like, um, would anyone like to make a comment? And I was like, yup. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sign me up for that. Yeah, and that's another one that is not suitable for work. But I met these people who lived in the neighborhood because they, they had to live close in order to get there within five minutes. Yeah. So when I posted on Facebook, like, well, okay, well, if anybody wants to meet, here's an address, and I'll name it this group. Invite a few people, and then I had just met this group of women who were super upset. And we – and it's – you know, I I fucking hate Facebook, but it does connect you well to other people. Agreed. So we had, like, connected on Facebook. So it was easy to kind of get – spread the word. So that was one of the groups was the Passion Political Action Group. And we were meeting week after week, and that was the main group that was asking me all these – civics related questions after we were doing all this political organizing which in fact i think we should have reversed the order of discussion because how do you agitate your representative when you don't know who they are um so which was constantly coming up was that people did not understand the levels of government that were you know they didn't understand they had state reps versus federal and who they were and how to find out i remember like when the election first started and people were like well i need to know more about the issues and i need to know like their voting record, and I need to know their, and I said, do you think that people who call up representatives let ignorance stop them from agitating?
0: Have you read the comment section on any tweet?
1: They're total uh, morons. You know what I mean? You don't need to know anything. Um, I mean, it's great if you did, but I think that people like talk themselves out of things by thinking like, but I'm so average, or I'm so below average, and the truth is, and this is what we should be liberated by, we all are. So go for it. Like, maybe you'll be a little bit better. Maybe not. But it's stop comparing yourself to other people as if, you know, you're not right there with them. (laughs) Like, and that is why I'm now working with gerrymandering because I was like, nobody knows what the fuck district they're in. They don't realize they're in their bunch. You know, it was proposed like, you know, I should do this. I should just explain how government works. But it was super on a whim. And one of my friends who was in the group was like, my buddy runs National Mechanics. He would totally let you do this. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. So we just picked third Thursdays because it, it is in fact alliterative. That yeah. was <laughs> like I was like no, whatever, it's it, cute. It rhymes, yeah. And I thought in my mind, oh, I have a bunch to say. I'll do like 30 minutes on what happened and what's next. So like some basics of like this is what happened with the electoral college. Right. Some context for like here are some really terribly crazy presidential elections in the past that's very
0: nice. Yep.
1: Um, and then suggestions on how to move forward, like how to interact with your government. But I didn't realize at the time that the third Thursday in fact was the day before the inauguration. Um oh. just for the timeline of things. So then when we looked at the calendar, I was like, "Oh shit, that's going to be a heavy day." <laughs> and it was. And like we were sitting there in National Mechanics at the like speakers' table getting my like free G&T and like it was just somber, like, uh, you know, the feeling in the neighborhood, the feeling all over town, which just kind of like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen tomorrow? This is all really going down. And so I went up like I'm going to have to go up there and I'm trying to make people laugh. I don't feel like laughing at all, yeah. like at all. But I thought that, like, the context piece was most important because I think that background and knowledge makes people feel more powerful and in fact it makes people more powerful like if you can better understand what's going on around you so I felt inspired to push through my own like sense of doom and not pretend that this is like a fun moment but just be honest about the moment that it was but still give the presentation and you know people were in the bar and like nobody was really talking to each other it was weird I'd never seen a bar full of so many people drinking alone wow and so I just kept going with it, and I could tell that people were kind of laughing and kind of listening and kind of their faces were changing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And then when it was over, um, I left the microphone, and I was just kind of like, holy shit. You yeah, know what just happened? <laughs> yeah, get another G&T. And just got kind of sitting there for a sec, and some friends had come, so they were like, oh, that was good. And this woman came up to me, and she was uh, drinking by herself uh, at the bar, and she said, um... You know, I didn't intend on staying, but I had only come in here for one drink because I couldn't go straight home because my wife works for the ACLU and we just don't know what's next. And I stayed and this made me feel better about what's next and that maybe we can do something about it. And I thought, okay, I'll do this again. Nice. Because it was like, you never know who's gonna be in the bar. I'm always, like, racked with nerves when I don't see any familiar faces out there. But then afterwards, it's someone always comes up to me and, like, says something about how it made them feel more connected.
0: But isn't isn't it more positive to have a room full of unfamiliar faces yeah. that at least you get to touch new people or open up new minds, potentially?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I never know if that's what's going to happen. You know? Like, I don't have any... But I remember after that... Because every single month, I'm like, all right, well, maybe... Maybe I won't do it anymore. Like, cause it's like, you know, I'm not getting paid. No, it's no, like a it's lot of work. work and stuff. But I get those weird one-on-ones. Not weird. I mean, really profound. Um, and I think, okay, like I'll, I'll do one more month, and then I end up. And here and, you are, two yeah, years exactly. Later. And it, and I've created such like, there's such a nice network and community and supporters that I'm. I feel, I feel better about continuing uh, with it, more motivated.
0: So tell me. Tell me about the book concept that's coming out of this.
1: Yeah, so I guess what happened, like, at a halfway point, I guess, like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, is that someone from Newsworks had re- reached out. I th- I think that it, Civics on Tap just started to get picked up and added to calendars or something. Okay. So I don't know. It was just being circulated. And so someone from Newsworks reached out and was like, hey, can I come and record and talk to you guys? And so he did just like a little thing, um, a little radio, you know, plug or whatever. Or it was like a story about how civics is kind of on the rise. And I was featured amongst like four stories and it aired during drive time, you know, like. So it was cool the next day, like a few students were like, my mom was like, I heard Miss Palladino on the radio, like on the way home last night, you know. And they didn't feature any cursing, so I didn't get in trouble.
0: Not exactly surprising. That is, in fact, broadcast. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, you would be edited for that. Yes, it was a nice,
1: it was a nice piece. But someone from Temple reached out, uh, Temple University Press, and was like, we "We're kind of interested in this concept. Would you like do you ha- have any interest in writing?" Uh, which, in truth, I uh, write constantly. Like I love writing, um, and I never really tried to like pr- push that part of the creative process. Um, mm-hmm. But I was more than happy to uh, like say yes to this. And again, it's
0: just like well, a... It's not exactly a bad phone call to get of like, hey, would you like to write something for a, for a major university press about the work that you're doing currently for free?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting because so far, um, everything that I've been doing um, is very like true to me. Mm-hmm. It is definitely not a scholarly work.
0: <laughs> well, I'm assuming with Civics on Tap, you're going to translate... Some of the lessons and experiences yes. but I'm I'm guessing from you that the tone will also carry through. Or yeah.
1: No? so the tone is very consistent, which was just because that is what I was interested in doing was trying to do like humor, uh, you know, humor writing with a an educational kind of bent. Yeah. Um, and so each chapter focuses on a different aspect of governance um, or how the government works, um, a little bit of history, but it's definitely like you definitely hear me the whole time.
0: I um, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to read it if I didn't. Yes. I mean, there's plenty of books that I could find that mm-hmm. would give me basic primers to civics. Yes. But I'm not sure if I would find one that I would enjoy reading while drinking.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and it's also that we haven't like decided on the blurb. I'm not at that stage yet because I'm still writing it. But in my initial thoughts for the blurb that I sort of wrote up is that the book ideally would be like not as big as a bookshelf book and not as small as a coffee table book. So it's like a crapper book. Oh, it's like <laughs> this is a this is a real read. theme for you. Yeah, Grace. you <laughs> like in the time it takes most adults with bad diets to take a shit. You could finish a chapter and most adults and learn something. Bad diets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, that that appeals to me. So right. that's uh,
0: <laughs> you're going to cause a great raising of educational levels and uh, hemorrhoids, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: no, no, we're going to we're going to relax you. That's that's what it is. You'll be laughing so hard that you'll be hemorrhoid free by the end of it. It's a crapper table. That book. is my guarantee. <laughs>
0: wow. All right, you've you've heard that too. I love a good guarantee.
1: Yeah, no money back if that doesn't happen.
0: I really appreciate the fact that you came out. One of the cool things, actually, is that you you are the first person on the podcast and one of the one of the people that I have met because of Mission Story Slam yeah. that I didn't know was in Philadelphia. So I really I appreciate your coming out. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your taking the time to be on the podcast with me. And I hope I see you at Mission Story Slam 3.
1: Yes, you definitely will. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: For our audience, you can watch the full story from Grace on, and find links to everything that we discussed today, including links to see the Hillary and Donald Trump, I will mispronounce it, Kaganer. Uh, We'd like to thank our partners from Mission Story Slam 2, the Committee of Seventy, and Draw the Lines PA. And as I just said, we're planning the Mission Story Slam 3. It's going to be on April 23rd. That is the day right after Earth Day. So we're planning to have an environmental theme this time out. If your organization would like to partner on that slam, please reach out to Dave Winston or myself. We'd really love to hear from you about that. Of course, we'd love for you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's how you'll know exactly when this and future podcasts drop and when the tickets are going to go on sale for Mission Story Slam 3. The Mission Story Slam podcast is produced by Dave Winston and brought to you by PWP Video, video with a mission. Find out what we're all about at pwpvideo.com. I'm Michael Schweissheimer, and I'm looking forward to sharing the next story behind the story with you soon.